Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, man, I'm thankful today to be with you guys. Got the tag from Pastor a little earlier this week. Appreciate the opportunity, sir, as always, um, to share the word with the house. And um, I've been enjoying this word that Pastor's been talking about, um, about being ready for the return of Jesus. I think it's one of those things that we've kind of had this, this, you know, especially if you were, how many of you came up in the 80s? You were like a kid in the 80s? Um, you remember, man, even church movie night. I remember like the left, the left behind movies of those days. Like, oh, my God, we got to be ready because he might come in in two seconds. So I grew up, man, I don't think I'll make it to middle school because Jesus is going to come. I don't think I'm going to make it to high school because Jesus is going to come. Then once I got to about 10th grade, I was like, yeah, I think he's laying off, so I think I'll be good. I'll plan my future, you know, get, get, get a college degree and get married and, 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 and that kind of stuff, you know, because I, I don't know when he's coming. But th- there's a reality of being ready for his return with the right mindset. And that's what my title is for you today, Ready for the Return. Because we have to have the right mindset because we are to be about the business of the Father, looking and expecting for his return, but not over here, God, suck me out of here because it's so bad that I don't want to stay here and deal with all this stuff. I mean, Lord God, this political season hasn't ended. Everybody's like, oh, political pastor said this week in staff meeting, he's like, the political season's upon us. I was like, it never ended from six, eight years ago, whatever. With 24 hours of news and the internet, I mean, these jokers, this business, they're like, clicks, yay, let's keep it going and stir the pot. So there is no shortage of reason for you to be like, oh, my God, come get us out of here, Lord. But the ones who are in Christ, man, we should be about his business, joyfully expecting his return, but realizing that, man, we live in the place of receiving our inheritance and walking in it. You know what I'm saying? Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance, right? We stand with Jesus. We're joint heirs with him. So he's been given the nations and we get to now stand and this is a part of it, man. We're just collecting here. Every time, man, souls are coming into the kingdom of God. Every time we're meeting with people to disciple and teach and speak the word of God to them. Every time you're out there in the community planting seed. I'm getting ahead. That's in the later part of the sermon. Let's, 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 let's jump into this here. Um, so let me give you a little background. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 24. Um, today, verses 36 to 51, but I wanted to give you a little bit of background. So let's pray over this word. Father, we're so grateful that we get to enjoy your presence together as your people, uh, fellowship with each other, love and encourage one another, be built up, edified, and equipped for the thing that you've called us to do. And now we just speak a blessing over your word made and enrich and encourage us, challenge us, correct us, do all that it's supposed to do in our lives by your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen, amen. All right, so Matthew 24. Let me give you a background here for the, just the overall picture. This is obviously the book of Matthew is one of the synoptic gospels um, and, um, and basically kind of taking us through a sequence of the events of Jesus' life. And um, when you get down to verse um, for chapter 24 and 25, this is what's called uh, the Olivet Discourse. Okay, so Jesus was on the Mount of Olives when he's delivering this. So if you ever heard theologians say that the Olivet Discourse, that's chapter 24 and 25 as he's talking about these doctrines of last things, of the end, 
of all, all days, right? Even unbelievers talk about the doctrine of last things and what that's called by theologians, if you ever want a, a fancy word to use, it's called eschatology, okay? The things of the last things or the eschaton. So the eschatology usually splits out in about three places. You may have heard these terms too if you've been around church, and if you haven't, then just take a little Bible school lesson today. There's usually people who are premillennialists, postmillennialists, and amillennialists. And so, you know, you'll, you'll hear people in the Christianese that we speak, hey, are you premill? Are you post-mill? And Pastor Ron's laughing here. Post-mill or amill? Which one are you? I'll say I fall in the camp, me and Pastor Ron, I don't know about the rest of y'all, we have an end times doctrine that goes like this. He comes, I go. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Ron said that years ago, and I was like, that's my man right there. I'm rolling with that one. He comes, I go. I mean, truth be told, whether you got your your pre-mill, post-mill, amill all wrapped up, if you're in the bride of Christ, you're going when he comes. So, I mean, sorry to, to spoil it for anybody, but, I mean, I, I, not that that's a problem. Let's, let's do it. Whether you select one of those doctrinal positions and you got it all fleshed out, you've read the books, that's totally cool. But the beauty of it is when he comes, if you're in the bride of Christ, you go. That's part of the comfort, and that's part of what we want to talk about today in being ready for his return. So let's read verses 36 to 51. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day that he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's coming a day that we want to be ready for. But the question has always been, what are we doing in the meantime? What are we doing in the in-between time, in the days as we await the coming of the Lord? What are we supposed to be about? Well, in the spirit of my spiritual father... Pastor George, I will tell you a story to begin with today, okay? Y'all know, I mean, it's not a secret. The man's a storyteller. You just stand up, story just comes coming out. Boom. Pastor's here, out. story's coming in a second. So I'm going to start with a story. I've told you a little bit about my background in, in middle and high school, that, that I was an athlete, and, um, and I ran track in middle school, all through middle school, and for three years of high school, I ran track. Um, when I went and first started running track, I had no intention of it. I was like, that's too much extra work to run track, okay? I didn't want to do it when friends were trying to call me to come out. Like, you're fast, man. When we play street football, you're fast. You should come out for track. I'm like, nah, I'm not trying to do all that because I don't want to do those workouts. So I'm 
racing my friends at lunch one day in the sixth grade. We're doing races in this little courtyard we had at our school down in South Florida. So we're racing, I'm beating everybody and running like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The track coach sees me and comes out. James Calvin Moore, okay? Crazy, he looked like Dr. Martin Luther King. Like he showed up, you're like, MLK back from the dead. Like that's literally, he looked like MLK. Um, so James Calvin Moore, Coach Moore comes and he says, hey son. I said, yes sir. He said, you, you, you want to come out for the track team? I was like, uh, uh, being the respectful young man I was, I wasn't going to tell him what I told my friends. I ain't going to go out there and do all those workouts. I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> what time? <laughs> so I went, went out, and yeah, there was these hard, intense workouts and all that, but this begun this journey with this man who was a mentor and, and, and a spiritual father, really, to me. And I never really, when I was a young preteen and, and a teenager, I didn't really have the words to express that to him. That's really what he became in my life. And, and the great thing was he was a man of God with no shame back then. I mean, I, he'd have probably gotten kicked out of schools today because he was pretty much like the gospel during class. He'd be quoting Bible verses and that kind of stuff during class. Um, and... Um, so we had these practices. He would come on and bring us into the, 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 the classroom. He was a math teacher. We'd go into his classroom, and he would give us our workout for the day. He'd lay it out. You know, distance runners had to work out. Sprinters had to work out. Lay it all out for us. And then he'd be like, all right, let's get to it. So we'd head out to the track. He'd be right behind us. He had a bullhorn. And he's kind of like, he was like a MLK with, like, the soul of Joe Clark from Lean On Me. <laughs> he had the bullhorn yelling at you with the bullhorn. The bullhorn. So... This particular practice day, so I, you know, here, I'm all in, we're practicing, we're doing our thing. This particular day, I'm well into, I'm, now I'm bought in, I'm a track athlete, I'm all in, love it, 400 meters, my race, the whole nine. He tells us one day, he comes and puts, sets the workout on the, on the, on the um, gives us a word of encouragement like he always does and puts the workout out there. He says, listen guys, I've been called to a meeting at the district today. I'm going to need you guys to get out there, get your workout done. He didn't say anything. Those of us who were, who were leaders on the team knew what we were supposed to be about and what we should be doing and the expectations he had for us and how we should be encouraging our guys one to another, all that. And he said, i got to go to this district meeting. I'll probably be back maybe at the end, but you guys go do your thing, get it done. Which I'm thinking even today, I'm like, we, he literally left like middle school kids unsupervised. <laughs> it's like, all this stuff, this wouldn't happen today. <laughs> But he knew what he could do. So lays it all out there, um, and we go out to the track. Now, Coach Moore is not there. We have no accountability other than each other. And so we get out to the track, and of course, a good 50 to 60% of middle school boys are doing whatever they want to do. They're walking around, they're not doing their workout, they're talking, yeah, man, all this. The girls' track team's gonna be coming out, so, hey, girl. Okay, this is what's going on. There was a sense within me like, God, we should, we should be focused on our workout, so I went ahead and stayed on my workout. Me and about four other guys stayed on the workout. I probably didn't work out as hard as I normally did, but I stayed on the workout. And about halfway through practice, one of the boys, no, and not here comes coach, one of the boys said, hey, Coach Moore's on the roof. <laughs> one story public school, Coach Moore knew the way to get on the roof. He was at the back corner of Driftwood Middle School looking right across the whole time. Had a chair up there too when we finally saw him. My boy was up there posted with a chair. 
sitting, waiting the whole time. And in the middle of the workout, there was the board. Y'all get from work. Y'all get on our track. What you doing? I was like, oh boy, there it is. That lesson has stayed with me my entire life. His lesson to us, he said, you know the work you got to do. I tell you every time, this is the work we do. We are a team, and we're about the business. And he's the one who told me, <laughs> part of, part of the, the, the relationship I had with him, when I started complaining about the workouts that I had to do, he heard me talking to some of the guys. And he said, that's fine. Losers always quit. Sir, don't you know I'm 12 years old and I need your affirmation? <laughs> Middle school? I'm a young preteen. And he just walked away. But you know what I did? I showed back up. To the point where when he, he, he didn't mind showing favorites. To the point in my last season at the school, he literally tells the entire team. I was like, you're so wrong, but I, it's okay. You love me. He comes and tells the entire team, he said, listen, y'all, just so you know, I was supposed to retire this year. I'm only back for that boy right there, and it was me. <laughs> he called me baby boy, okay? He said, I'm only back for baby boy. None of, none of the rest of y'all, it's fine. We're going to run. We're going to have a good season, but I'm back for him. <laughs> but that's the relationship I developed with this man because I sat at his feet and listened, and he made me better. But I also learned from him in that one moment Boy, you better stay ready. It doesn't matter if I'm here or not. Do you have the sense and the will and the faithfulness to continue, regardless of if you see me over here with the bullhorn or if you see me over here yelling at you at the other end of the track? Will you continue in what you know to do? That's precisely what we see here in this passage. We see this. Let me give you a point here. If we realize the importance of staying focused, ready and continuing in what we're called to do in human relationships, how much more should we have this mindset with our Heavenly Father? See, he was talking about track meets and, 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 and running well in South Florida in, in a place where you guys already know, if you guys follow sports at all, we produce a lot of athletes out of South Florida, okay? In a system where it means you have to be on top of your game. If I can receive that as a kid for this sport that I'm in, how, again, how much more do we as believers need to have this mindset to continue in faithfulness regardless of anybody's looking over our shoulder? And let me give you a tip if you didn't know, God knows everything already. The Holy Spirit sees. <laughs> you gonna hide? Exactly. He doesn't need a chair somewhere. He's on the throne, bro. So he's already in clear view of what's going on in your life. There's no hiding it. So are we going to be then saying, okay, let me continue. Let me be about this thing because this is what is of supreme importance. And I'm not waiting for other people to look at me. And some of you guys are concerned at times at what other people think. Don't worry about it. Worry about what he thinks. If I set my mindset and my affection on pleasing the Lord, then guess what? People are going to land in one of two categories. They're going to hate what I'm doing because they hate God. Or they're going to love what I'm doing because I love, they love God. That's it at the end of the day. So it would seem to me the focus should be then let's focus on pleasing the Lord. Let's focus on accomplishing what he's called us to do. So as we do this, let me break this down into three here. I have three questions I think we should ask ourselves on this subject, okay? As Jesus speaks to us about being ready. 
One, am I in right relationship with God? Two, am I continuing in faithfulness? And three, am I expecting his return? Again, three questions that I think we need to ask ourselves, and I think we need to ask ourselves those questions on a regular basis. Um, you know, I love golf, so I got to go here. Me and Tom, we're at the, uh, at the golf course hitting golf balls. I call Tom my unhired coach. He gives me tips because he can see stuff that I don't see in my golf swing. And um, he told me something, and he's like, yeah, we know this. He goes, but it's so hard to do it. And I was like, you're absolutely right. There's things that we already know, but we have to be told again. Again, one of the reasons why I love golf, you don't ever get to a point where you perfect it. And all the golfers said amen. There's always something. I see guys out there, and I'm looking, I'm like, you know, I started this game like 10 or 11 years ago, and I'm saying, dude, you're like 65. What are you getting a lesson for in my mind when I first started? Then I played golf for a little while. I'm like, oh, I know why he's getting a lesson. Because this game's tough, and you always got to be honing and being reminded of what the fundamentals are and going back. In our spiritual life, we got to be reminded again to get back. Sometimes it's a get back on track correction. And other times it's a you're doing what you need to do. Don't put it on autopilot. Let me say that one again. You're doing what you need to do, but do not put it on autopilot. Be in your word. Be praying. Be focused. Be about the things of God, but don't put it on autopilot. We have a great gift, a great opportunity to worship our Lord, to engage with the one who has created us, and not only created us, but then when we fell away, redeemed us. Don't put it on autopilot, but enjoy and receive and worship him with everything that's within you. So let's take these one by one. First one. Am I in right relationship with God? What we were just talking about. Verse, 20, verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Again, who then is the faithful and wise servant? The one who he can call somebody who's in his group, in his circle? I'd say it this way. Are you in the house of the father? Not just a visitor, but one who has received his work of salvation. Are you in the house of the father? Because this sets us on the proper course. Okay, some of us like to visit, even as Christians, we come, hey, did my thing at church on Sunday, but then I go show up everywhere else without the mindset and the biblical worldview that I'm called to live in, all right? I heard one worldview teacher say it this way, we have this upper story and lower story mindset. All the holy things are up there in the attic that we go to. Where do you go to the attic? Sometimes. How many of y'all go to your attic every day? But we have this, it's up there, we go do the holy things every so often, and then we go do regular stuff. That's one of the things that I love to drive into the minds of middle and high schoolers, young kids, is every single part of your life is submitted to the Lord. There is nothing that is unholy or not sacred for you. Brooke, um, I guess you say her, Liger Wood, however you say her name. Somebody correct me later. She used to be Brooke Fraser, the songwriter. She had talked one time about the sacred secular myth, right? That there was this myth of you having this sacred secular split in your life. No, if you're a believer, all of it's sacred as unto the Lord. You don't have the opportunity to now say, God, I've peeled off this 35 to 37%. That's my stuff that I just get to do by regular knowledge, regular things. And then this other piece with 63, you know, 60%, whatever, that's all the stuff that I'll do saying I'm going to pray, I'm going to seek you, Lord. 
There is no regular stuff for you, believer. There is no regular stuff for you. All of it is holy unto the Lord. Keep the mindset. Stay with the first love. Walk in what he's called you to do. Because there is no separation. We're called to continue. So are you in his house? Or are you not in his house? And if you are in his house, we now take ourselves to the next two and three questions. If we are in the house, that's step one. And we're going to pray with some of you guys today who may be in that place where you need to receive the place of being in the house as a son or a daughter. So question two, am I continuing in faithfulness now? Let's tie these together. Verses 45 and 46. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Everybody say doing. doing. When he comes. When he's up there in the chair. Let's see if these middle school boys did what I told them to do. <laughs> or are they over here acting the fool? when they should be doing what I set for them to do. You see, the Lord has set things in motion, watches over, gives us the strength, gives us guidance, gives us the word, gives us his Holy Spirit, but will we continue so doing, or are we going to be like, oh, God, get me out of here? Or will it be that we forgot what we got saved from? Some of us get to a point farther along the road in salvation that we forget God brought me out of this, the wickedness, the sin I was in. God brought me out of all of that, and now he's called me to walk to the next step. And the next step, as he's doing what? This, again, the theological word, sanctifying me till the time when I'm glorified in his presence and sin is no longer an issue. Praise God when that day comes. But until such time, sin is still an issue for you and others, which means you got to keep and be about that mindset and also be about the mindset for others to come. So let's look at how that breaks down. First one, we need to be in a place of repenting from sin. I had this conversation with me, me and Pastor Franco having this conversation. We're talking about holiness in the generation we live in. And there's a mindset sometimes that I think some believers in the, in the spirit of trying to say, God's so big and powerful, sin's not a big deal. That's actually not the correct statement. Sin's not a big deal for God to deal with. Sin is a big deal. Why do you think Jesus came, the second person of the Godhead, came down out of heaven into human form to die on a cross after living 33 years, be raised from the dead, and sin's not a big deal? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it is. Not a big deal for our God to take down and deal a death blow to. But if you choose to ally yourself with it, yes, it is a big deal, which is why we can't be coddling sin in our lives and in the lives of others. And just being like, ah, oh, you know. You do you, man. It's fine. No, it's not fine. <laughs> That's why we're given the word of God and the Holy Spirit so that we can come up out of that and walk in victory. Okay? That's the reality that we walk in. So we need to be turning from sin. Again, like the old Pur Puritan said, John Owen, either be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. However little it seems, that little more, a little more, and a little more, till you realize that you're living in a way that dishonors the beauty of the sacrifice of Christ. Why? Because I just want to do what I want to do. But that's not the call as believers. 
we got to repent of sin. Secondly, we got to have personal devotion, which helps us to be out of the place of sin. What does that look like? Reading and studying the word of God, worshiping and praying, fellowshipping with other believers. You ready for the next one? I didn't even write it down. Those are not optional. I'm going to say it again. If you name the name of Christ, those are not optional. Man, I read the Bible sometimes. <laughs> Brother, sister, especially today. Can you imagine? Let me tell you a story that I didn't intend on telling, but I think you need to hear it. I heard an evangelist and apologist say this one time, that he had met this young man who got saved in Vietnam during all the communist explosion and all the craziness, and they were, he was in this, this basically this prisoner's camp, and his job was to clean the latrines. Who wants that job? Cleaning up other people's poop and pee and whatever else you can imagine. And how did this man get saved? He saw the pages of Bible down in all that nasty mess coming out of the latrine because, here it is, one of the commanders who was an atheist had somehow gotten hold of a Bible, and because of the scarcity of the things that they had, he was using the pages of the Bible as his toilet paper. What did this man do? I had heard about this Jesus in this Bible. He begins to take the pages, clean them, set them out to dry. That's how he was reading the word of God. And we sit here. In three seconds, I could pull up 15 translations. You think God's not calling you to a standard? Hello, church. In five seconds, I can speak to this and tell it to start reading me the next three chapters of my Bible plan right now. And you're going to come at me that we can't get in this word? Come on, kids. <laughs> no, 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 no. To whom much is given, much is required. Much is expected. I can go down and buy 15 copies. Well, some of them are a little bit expensive in print Bibles. <laughs> Just part of why we, I mean, for free, you can get on the, online and start reading the Bible right now. That's not optional. We've got to be in this, in this word. We've got to study it. We've got to worship. We've got to pray. And we've got to fellowship with other believers. Okay? When, like the story I told you last time I preached about Richard Wormbrand and his joy in prison in a concentration camp was to be with other believers. And the fellowship and giving they had was to take that nasty soup and rotten bread and share with brothers who were weaker. Fellowship with the brothers. And then you want to be like, eh, I don't know if I'll go today. Excuse me, church? That's some of the silliness that was unleashed. I understand COVID was what it was. But some of the exceptions that Christians made in the name of, like, church was super optional. It's not optional. <laughs> if I may be candid, and I will. It's not optional. I think I'll just watch it. There's plenty of people today who have no option to watch it. And they hunger to come and be with other brothers and sisters. Come on. 
Ne like I told you last time, never the same after being in China and having brothers and sisters. My brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters had to concern themselves for their safety just to go into an apartment with 30 other people and strum and listen to, to, to us sing and them sing because we didn't speak the same language, but we got to holy eventually. And man, we just started singing holy for about five minutes, all of us. We're like, yeah, we all know that one together, Chinese and English speakers alike. But that place, and then we want to make, like coming to the house of God optional? It can't be. It can't be. It's not optional for us. So we got to have personal devotion. And then thirdly, we got to have gospel declaration that we are called to in this continuing and being ready for his return. 1 Peter 3, um, 13 to 15 says this. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Verse 15, here it is. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Always ready to bring the gospel to somebody because we've been given a great hope within us. So I ask you, where is the place where you're supposed to make a gospel declaration? Let me give you a couple examples of notable people that we, we, we know here. Frank Turek's a, a big apologist. He goes to universities, has these forums where they do Q&As with kids, and he'll sometimes go to high schools. But powerful stuff this guy does because he just asks the questions of life and then brings the gospel right into those situations with gentleness and respect, a great example of it. Some, you know, I watch his videos sometimes just to study what they do as apologists and to learn some of these ways in which you can ask questions. And as we go out on campus sometimes and we want to speak to kids and speak into their lives, how do I bring the gospel to everyone and be ready with gentleness and respect to do so? That's Frank Turek's platform. What's yours? C.J. Stroud. You guys know C.J. Stroud. Unfortunately, Texans were, I mean, I'm not a Texans fan, but I am a C.J. Stroud fan. Um, they were eliminated last night. But I love this guy's testimony because every time they put a mic in front of him, CJ says, man, first honor, honor, honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And thank God the news stations got in trouble this week because they called themselves trying to edit him. And if, you, if you didn't see it online, look it up. I wanted to have more traction. I wanted to be known and clear that they decided to edit him because he said the, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And a lot of sportscasters came to his defense and said, why are you trying to edit the guy? That's his faith. That's what he walks in. He's consistent. And if nothing else, I mean, let's be honest. It's from a bottom line standpoint, this dude's good for your league. He's making you money right now because he's throwing, throwing the lights out. And being a man of character and integrity in the process. I loved it when I looked him up online. I was like looking up CJ. I didn't follow him that much in college. Tom did because Tom's an Ohio State guy. I'm not an Ohio State guy, but praise God. Um, <laughs> and it says in there, I love in personal life, he is a Christian. I was like, yeah, that's right. Put it down there. That's what he is. He's a man standing on the word of truth. He has a different platform. But what's yours? Tim Tebow. We all know about Timmy. Love Timmy. My man. Love his testimony. And I was sharing with, with, with some of the young guys the documentary that came out about their championship run when Urban Meyer was here. The Swamp Kings documentary. You may need to put it on VidAngel for some of the language. Just... Disclaimer, full disclaimer. But I love the sections where they focused on Tim Tebow's life because all these guys, I mean some crazy football players partying it up. And every one of them out of their mouth, they said, they said, not Timmy. One of the guys said, I threw parties all the time. One of the big linebackers, I think it was Brandon Spikes, said, he'd have people come to him at the party. Hey, is Tim going to be here? 
girls come to, is Tebow going to be there? And he said, finally, one day he got mad. He said, y'all stop asking me if Tebow's going to be here. Tebow's going to be in his Bible. Tebow's going to be in class. And then he's going to be on the field. That's it. <laughs> he's like, we tried. And Tim is in his Bible. He's in class. And then he's on the field. That's it. <laughs> he's not doing any of the crazy stuff we do. And I just love the fact that these guys saw him and honored and respected him. Even the ones who didn't believe everything he did. He used his platform. What's yours? Some of you guys are business owners. What's your platform in your business? Some of y'all are teachers. What's your platform in that? Some of you are homeschooling moms. What's your platform in that? Everybody has one. What are you going to do with that platform to declare the gospel with gentleness and respect and being ready at all times with that very thing? And then the third one, am I expecting his return? All of this is wrapped into that. Am I expecting his return? Verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. You know, a few years ago, I, I preached a sermon about us being ready and staying ready. And I pulled up my iPhone, and you guys know when you open up in your iPhone, or if you got an Android, you got a place in there where you can do alarms, oh, yeah. right? You set the alarm. You can notice that I have a few of them in there because truth be told, there's sometimes I set a few. <laughs> you need to wake up. But also the thing you can do in there is once that alarm goes off, you have the option to snooze it, just like a regular alarm clock. Hit the snooze button. Hit the snooze button. And some days I hit that snooze button several times. The problem we have spiritually sometimes is we would like to hit the snooze button when the Lord calls you to something. When the Lord speaks clearly. When there's things that you already know, I don't even need like a Holy Spirit come down, drop this to me. I already know, but I'm hitting the snooze button on it. And the question then, you have to ask yourself, like I challenged some athletes this week in a couple of Bible studies, are you willing to look in the mirror and ask yourself why? Why am I hitting the snooze button on that? Why am I not stepping forward in the thing the Lord has called me to, that I'm certain the Lord has called me to? Why am I just saying, oh, yeah, you know, another time, later. I just read, as did you. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Stay awake. Stay alert. You don't know if Mr. Moore is sitting on top of the building in a chair ready to yell at you. <laughs> you don't know. The truth be told is if we believe what we believe, it actually shouldn't matter when that is. Hello? Some of y'all heard me. If we believe it, it shouldn't matter what day that is. My action and my process should be the same. There was a movie two years ago that, that um, I watched the other day again, and this lady thinks she's dying, and because she thinks she's dying, she finally does all the stuff she wanted to do. She's going to take a trip. Queen Latifah was there. Going to take a trip. We're going to go skiing. I'm going to ride in a helicopter. I'm going to learn how to cook. I'm going to meet the most famous chef because she thought she was dying. 
they had, had this brain scan that was wrong. It told her she had this rare disease and she, was, she had like three weeks to live without treatment. <laughs> and the interesting thing was, in the process she realizes, as did the people around her, oh my God, this was a fake. I, I totally, I'm not dying. But she comes to this epiphany that like, why did I sit around waiting for things to happen and not doing what I was supposed to do or taking the opportunities that sat in front of me? This is just from a secular film perspective, how much more the believer who is called to step out and do what the Lord has called us to do. We shouldn't be sitting in the chair waiting for his return like that. We are waiting for his return. Krista's over here on the keyboard, like, you know, getting after her, she's working. Krista could sit up. Krista's waiting for his return. She's here faithfully serving worshiping the Lord. She hates that I'm right here putting the spotlight on her right now. But I have to, I love this girl so much. Um, faithfully serving. Got the fingers going? And she tried to back out for a while. Yeah, I'm going to tell your story. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad spent all that money putting her through piano and she was over there chilling. And I said, hey, when are you going to come join us? And I said, I'll leave you alone for a little bit. For a little bit. But I'll be back. And then she came to me one day and said, I'm ready. And I handed her a pair of inner monitors. I said, that's your, that's your covenant now. You're gonna, <laughs> I handed you some inner monitors. It's time. You got to go with it. But ready for his return by working the thing that you were called to. We got to figure out what we're supposed to be working as we await his return, not waiting. Think of yourself almost like a combination of waiting like you're waiting for him to come, but also like a waiter who's serving. Let both words come into your vocabulary. I want to be in the place of serving and going after it and doing what God's called me to do because I'm awaiting his return, but I'm not sitting down in the process. I'm up and I'm moving and I'm doing what he's called me to do. I'm starting that business I'm supposed to. I'm running the business that I have well. I'm making sure that my employer is blessed when I step into there. I want to be like Joseph, okay, who stepped in and everything was blessed because he showed up. How many of y'all are going to work that way? Uh, well, I guess we're just going to go here again. Another week, wish I had a different job. You got a job. Work that and then let God promote you if that's his will and desire to move you somewhere else. But go there and be like, I want this place to blow up because I was there. Not in pride, but for the glory of my Father. And because I need to stay awake because I don't know the day or hour he's coming. So in the process, I want to be fulfilling everything that he's called me to and winning every person I'm called to, speaking into their lives and letting my life shine brightly. Because like Matthew 5 tells us, we're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and then give glory to our Father in heaven. Come on, that our light so shine that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. So stay awake. Stay awake. Let me give you one more thing as we close out here. Remember this, if we're living to glorify God in all things and to call others to do the same, we will be ready for his return. It's not so much about worrying. You, you know, the cool thing, I go back to that story that I started with. If we apply that same kind of mindset to our spiritual life, 
there was actually nothing to be concerned about if we simply did what we were supposed to be doing, those boys on that team. But if I was over here worrying about the taskmaster who's going to be looking down on me, wondering, is he going to be there? I'm sure some of the boys who were, who were there still with the team after were like, hey, listen, if Mr. Moore ever gives you a workout and then says he has to go do something, you better be careful because he might be on top of the building looking out for you. Whether or not he is, you're on the team for a workout that needs to be done. So that's my responsibility. I don't care whether he comes at me. You know what I'm saying? I'd said this years ago when, when I first, when I wasn't on staff. I don't think I was on staff back then. No, I wasn't on staff yet. I was still teaching and hadn't started part-time on the staff. But I said something. I said, I am unconcerned with whether Pastor George is, like, approving of me. I'm unconcerned as to whether or not he's super excited about what I'm doing. I'm not concerned about saying, oh, listen, listen, if I can do this and do that, you know, I work for Pastor George, he leads me in ministry, all these things. I'm not concerned, really. You know why? Because what I'm doing is I'm looking ahead and beyond that to, is the Lord pleased? I'm looking beyond that to, what is the Lord directing and guiding us to do? I'm looking ahead to say, God, I want to glorify you in all things. And trust me, listen, if you look and live with that mindset, he'll be fine. <laughs> your boss will be fine. Kids, your mom and dad will be fine. Your coach will be fine if that's the mindset you come with. But the, the problem we have is we want to separate it sometimes. But I'm encouraging you today. Have the mindset in you, which is also in Christ, that I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. Jesus said, I only do the things I see my father do. Only say what I hear him say. So I'm going to live in such a way that all of what I am and all of what I exist to do is to glorify and honor God. Staying awake, expecting and being ready for his return. Come on and stand with me today. I want to encourage you, wherever your place is, wherever your lane is, that you're about it, that you're staying ready for the return of the Lord. If you run a business, if you're in school right now, if you run a household, if you're a homeschooling mom, if you're in a sport and you're trying to go to the next level, if you just started a sport and you're trying to figure it out, wherever the place, if you just started in an instrument, or if you got a skill set and you need to come talk to me about being on the worship team, whatever that is, I'm encouraging you today, stay awake and do not go to sleep and become complacent. Be about it and be ready for his return. Part of the glory of the gospel is the fact that we get to receive this joy of salvation in our lives and not figure that we have to play a part in it. It's a free gift. But then once we receive the free gift, as it tells us in Hebrews, we receive the ability to approach the throne of grace boldly, but then we also get grace to help us in time of need. And so that's what I want to pray over you this morning, that wherever you guys are, that you have the grace to help you in the time that you have the need of it. That you have the grace to get up and move in the areas and the things that you are called to. Some of you, some of it's going to be the personal devotion thing. you got to click into that. Some of you, it's your expression and declaration of the gospel. you got to get into that. Some of you, it's just the mindset of just saying, everything I have and everything I am is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I don't have cutaways and set-asides that are for me. All is for his glory. Because guess what? In all being for his glory, all is for your good. Every time, no matter what. So, Father, I thank you for this house today. 
I thank you for every person, every calling, every gifting, every talent, every person who is set apart for your purpose and for your glory. I speak over them today, God, that they will remain and stay ready for the return of Christ because they will be busy about the Father's business. And right now as we pray, Father, I want to give the opportunity. Any of you, close, you guys go ahead and close your, hand, close your eyes and, and bow your heads. If you're people in here this morning, if you are one of those people that I spoke of earlier, you have not yet received the salvation work of Jesus. You need to give your life to him. You need to receive salvation. Some of you are not certain, but you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at you, drawing you, because he's the only one who can do it. And you need to receive that salvation. Throw your hand up and we want to pray with you this morning, if that's you. And you need to receive that place of salvation in Jesus. Again, put a hand up if that's you. All right. Amen. 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 All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray. One, two, anybody else? Anybody else? Keep those hands up. Okay. And for anybody else who may be online, let's pray right now and believe for those to receive. And this also, if you're, if you're watching this recorded after the fact, we believe God can convict you by his spirit at any point. So let's pray. Father, let's say it together. Father, we thank you for your salvation work, for the work of Jesus, which makes a place for us to be saved. Thank you that you died for us, you rose again, and then you offer us your free gift of forgiveness of our sins and eternity with you. Father, I thank you that we can stay ready because the work of salvation is not ours, but it's yours. And I thank you that you enable us by your spirit to now get up and live for you. So we thank you for your saving work in every life Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.